You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. All right. Hopefully you guys have been enjoying the worship so far. And um, if you're visiting with us, my name is Stephen Marici, and uh, we're going to be continuing our series out of the Prideful Soul's Guide to Humility. And tonight we're focusing on chapters 13 and 14, humility and leadership, and humility and followership. And so I want to give you a disclaimer. It's super awkward for me to come up here and preach about obeying your leaders when I'm a leader. You know, the only reason I felt willing to do this was because I want to help us all, including myself, obey God in this way. And uh, just for the record, all material is copyright of the Prideful Souls Guide to Humility and the Bible. Hashtag don't shoot the messenger. Amen. You know, so as a leader, I can tell you that in any form of leadership, you are going to have to wrestle with humility. And I can think of a time when I wrestled with humility I remember Reuben had asked my wife and I to go ahead and lead a, a young marriage group. And we were excited about the opportunity. You know, we were looking forward to courage, encouraging one another. Um, I remember my wife and I, we were getting everything prepared. Uh, I got uh, the, the discussion prepared and my wife got the tacos prepared, the, the white person tacos. And 7.30 rolls around. And I remember thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's 7.30, nobody's here yet. Then Joe Eads comes in. Joe Eads, one of our elders in the church. And the time continues to roll. It's now 7.40, one other person walks in. And then the time keeps rolling till the next morning, and that was about everybody that showed up. And I remember as time was going on, I started to feel discouraged. And that discouragement led to me getting angry. And then I felt hurt, confused, and upset. I mean, Aaron and I had just spent all this time cooking these white people tacos and, and preparing a lesson. And only one person outside of the elder of the church showed up. You know, I remember my first reaction being very, very ungodly. I didn't want to do this anymore. I'm like, forget this. If this is how it's going to be, if, if only one person's going to show up to Bible talk, I am done leading. I don't want to do it. And I remember thinking in my head, like, forget these people. Like, that's what I thought. I thought, forget them. If they're not going to show up, forget it. Why waste my time cooking? Why waste my time buying food? Why waste my time putting together a lesson? And I remember wanting to rebuke them all. I'm just trying to be real. Um, But I wanted to rebuke them all out of feeling hurt and not valued. Instead of, you know, having them get to a conviction to want to be there for God. And this, this is the moment, though, when pride comes in, right, as leaders. How dare that guy not show up to my Bible talk? Who does he think he is, right? 
You know, in that moment, I wasn't thinking about God or where these people were at or even how to meet them where they were at. I was thinking about how I called them to be there and they didn't show up. You know, as leaders, this, is, this can be how pride manifests itself in our leadership. Whether you're a Bible talk leader, whether you um, lead the singles, whether you lead, uh, you know, just a discipling partner, you know, we can care more about how they answer to us instead of how we serve them. Or how to meet them where they're at and how to glorify God through leading them. You know, so I remember talking to Aaron and we prayed and I was trying to get my heart right. And we gathered everyone together that next week. And in humility, I went to them and I just let them know how it made me feel and how it hurt me and what it did to, you know, what it did to me. And, and, and after sharing that, they opened up about the reasons that they didn't come. And surprisingly, it had nothing to do with me. You know, I thought it was going to be all because they didn't want to, you know, didn't want to hear what I have to say or whatever. But the conversation resulted in them recommitting to the group and recommitting to God. You know, as leaders, this is something that we will have to face time and time again. We've got to do everything in our power to fight tooth and nail, to be humble, to be willing to serve, even when there's no reciprocation. Even when they talk bad about you. You know, we need to take a look at Jesus and how he led. You know, it's like that saying, uh, people don't care how much you know, right? Until they know how much you care. And people really knew that Jesus cared. They really knew that he cared. I mean, everyone was willing to come to him. Whether they were blind, sick, um, whether they were a man, a woman, everybody was willing to come to Jesus. They never felt like, oh, I can't go to Jesus. You know, this quote that I just shared with you, it's not from the Bible, but I believe it has a biblical principle. And so I want us to go ahead and go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 46 to 48. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Has that happened to you guys sometimes? Maybe not out loud, right, in your head, though? You know, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him, had him stand behind, uh, beside him. Then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is the least among you that will be the greatest. You know, in this passage... The disciples are arguing with each other. Who is the greatest? I'm the greatest, right? I preached that great lesson. No, I'm the greatest. I drove out that demon. So they were just arguing about who was the greatest. Now, have you guys ever said anything or were talking to someone or talking about someone and they walk up? And you're like, shh, shh, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Stop, stop, stop. Imagine if they could read your thoughts. You know, and that's what happens when Jesus walks up. He said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes the one who sent me 
or whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. You know, it's interesting that Jesus says, he, he compares it to welcoming a child. You know, and I want us to think about that for a second. There is literally no benefit to welcoming a child, right? Think about it. There's no benefit. Children have nothing to offer. They don't have money. They don't have status. And they only have a very basic knowledge of life, right? But I believe that's what Jesus' point was. That we must serve everyone, not just the people of high position that may benefit you, but serve the people who will have no benefit to you. Isn't that true humility, right? To, to, to serve without expectation? To serve without getting in return, anything in return? I mean, that's kind of like Jesus, right? And that's who we're trying to be. You know, he didn't get anything out of serving except to please his father. All his friends, the apostles, abandoned him. And then he goes on to say, whoever is the least will be the greatest. Think about that for a second. Whoever is the least will be the greatest. It seems kind of opposite, right? But I want us to go ahead and read Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. It says, For this is what the high and exalted one says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. You know, I believe that this is what Jesus was referring to. He was referring to when you're the least, you'll be the greatest. When you're the least, you'll be with me. Contrite. It means to feel remorse. And then lowly is low in status or humble. He's saying, hey, the people that feel remorse, the people that feel humble, the people that are low low in status, those are the people that are going to be with me. You know, these are the people that are the greatest. God says, if you live like this, you will be with me in that high and holy place. And we know that there's no greater place, right, than to be with God. You know, if you're a leader and you feel far from God, you need to ask yourself one question. Are you humble? You know, the people that God literally spoke to, the people that he communicated with in the Bible directly, were the most humble people in the Bible. You know, they were the greatest. Moses was one of the most humble men on the planet, and God spoke to him directly. And so I believe that when you're humble, when you're serving to get nothing in return, that is when you will hear the voice of God most in your life. In the book on page 107, it says, Are you looking to make yourself something or to make yourself nothing for the sake of the gospel? You know, it also says if you choose to lead, then you choose to be a servant. So if you want to be a leader then you obviously want to serve. I took time to ask a couple of the guys, uh, you know, why they serve, why they want to lead. And uh, I went ahead and I asked uh, Chico Boo DK, (laughs) not to be confused with Daniel Kim, 
But he said he felt called by God to do it and wanted to help other people. Daniel Kim. God has enabled him to serve people and in this way to be able to give back to God. He also enjoys being able to give to the disciples. Myself, I, I felt called by God, but I want to serve him because I love him and I love his people. And I want to ask you guys real quick for the audience. What are, what are ways you feel, like, how has it made you feel when someone's gone out of their way to serve you? Let's get some hands. Encouraged? Love? Okay. Yep. Blessed? Special. You know, how did you view those people? That served you. Best friends, friends, right? Somebody else. As humble. Respect and love for them. Genuine. Honorable. So think about this for a second. Whoever is the least will be the greatest. Those people that serve you, those are the people that you hold in high esteem. Those are the people that you feel like, man, that person is really encouraging. That person is really humble. That person is really honorable. You know, when leaders go out of their way to serve and communicate and take the time to listen, that is when they become more approachable. And I want us to go ahead and uh, turn to page 109 in your book. I wanted to make sure you guys pulled it out. Page 109. And it says, First, every leader should work to be approachable. Jesus was the top leader. You do not get stronger or more powerful than he was. But the people did not think, I should not talk to him. Or I don't think he would be interested in me or... I think he would be bothered by children. Lepers came to him. A woman who was sick and destitute came. Prostitutes came. People brought their children. And men made a hole in a roof to bring their lame friend to him. Leaders, are you more approachable? Or are you approachable? Or is there something smug in your demeanor? Do you subtly or not so subtly communicate that you are too important for certain people? Are you always surrounded by other leaders or more high-profile people that the average person feels intimidated trying to get to you? Where do you sit in the assembly? Only with the more important or with the less prominent? I dare you to ask others to find out how approachable you are. The leader striving for humility will want to know. Are you approachable? You know, are you approachable as a leader, as a disciple? You know, I believe that what makes us approachable is being willing to take input from others. Being willing to hear what they have to say, their ideas. 
being willing to be open, the first to be open about sin in your life. And when you're open, it gives people the courage to be open. Openness breeds openness. It's so funny how everybody's kind of sitting in a circle and no one wants to say anything. The first guy says something and then everybody starts to say something. And when you're open, like it says in James, it brings healing. And not only do you get healed, but you also allow the opportunity for everyone in your group to be healed as well. Then people will be ready to follow you because they will know they are just like you. Now, if you're not a leader, then you are a follower, but one is not greater than the other, right? Both will give an answer to how they glorified God through their role. We know from our study so far that one is not better than the other, but as my dad would say, if you want to be a great leader, you must first be a great follower. Now, some of you may say, well, I don't want to be a leader. Forget that. I, I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to have anything to do with the leadership role. It's not for me. Well, if you're a disciple, it's kind of a requirement. Whether you're leading someone to Christ or just trying to be a good example at school or in the workplace, it all starts with by being a good follower. And so everyone is a leader at some capacity. Now, the Bible is very clear about the relationship between leaders and followers. And to be honest, this is kind of where Satan tries really hard to divide, right? He tries to put a barrier up between the leader and the follower. But I want us to first, let's go ahead and dive into scriptures here. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 12. It says, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. You know, one of the first things in this chapter refers to having respect for your leaders. Now, outside the church, I mean, there's, it's almost like respect has disappeared, right? There's no respect for authority. There's no respect for politicians. There's no respect for the people that serve uh, in protecting us, the police officers. And whether it's towards politicians, police, or your boss, the lack of respect can clearly be seen in our society. But here in the church, it shouldn't exist, but it, but it does exist. Now, no leader is perfect, right? We all make mistakes, and I probably make more than most of them. I'm sure my wife will tell you that. But the mistakes they make, if they are humble, they will own them. If you make a mistake as a leader, own up to your mistake. Be willing to say, hey, I made a mistake. I'm dumb. Forgive me. Although what I've seen is when a leader makes a mistake whether it's a Bible talk leader, singles leader, sector leader, or evangelist, you being the follower, we can feel that it gives us a hall pass to be disrespectful. To talk bad about them or decide that they are unworthy to be followed. Then we, ha- then we have people that don't show up to Bible talk or church because a person hurt them or a person disrespected them or a person was just not considerate. And then sometimes we can even go further than that and we can try to make their leadership a burden. 
Or we can think that, well, I'll just do it my way. And I want to tell you guys something in humility. Uh, that does not please God when that happens. And so we're going to look at a scary but humbling story in the Old Testament where someone talked bad about their leader. And we're going to go to Numbers 12, verses 1 through 4, 14. Numbers 12, verses 1 through 14. It said, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. For he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this, or and the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Oops. At once the Lord said to Moses, Arian, and Miram, Come out of the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of a cloud. He stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams, but this is not true about my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house, and with him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees from the Lord, he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them. And he left them. So we see here that these people, they're talking bad about Moses. So I, can you believe that Moses married that Cushite woman? Can you believe it? And God hears them. He says, hey, I want all, all three of you to come out. He said, hey, to the prophet, I speak to them in riddles through dreams. But to Moses, I directly speak face to face. Let's continue in verse 10. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Aaron, toward ter- Aaron, turned, Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stubborn infant coming from its, or a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb. With its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Please, God, heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until she was brought back. You know, when I read this, I thought, dang, do I do this? Do I talk bad about my leaders? Do I talk bad about Reuben? Do I talk bad about my dad or even people that disciple me? You know, I want to ask you, do you talk loosely about your leaders? Do you judge them with your hearts or do you judge them with your lips? 
You know, when's the last time you prayed for your leaders? Or you encouraged them? Or you lifted them up? You know, now as a a follower, we're also taught to imitate our leaders, right? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. You know, to to God, this is a great example of humility when we're, we're willing to imitate our leaders. And I'm not saying to grow a beard or to, to dress as nice as Daniel Kim. But to imitate their godly qualities, right? You know, in the, in the book it says, The humble at heart will be eager to support their leader and remove the barriers to support to that support as quickly as possible. So in the book it's talking about, hey, if your leader's leading, you're going to do whatever you can to help them. You're going to do whatever you can to make their joy or make their job a, a, a joy and not a burden. But to truly follow someone, it takes removing the barriers so you can see clearly the godly, the godly characteristics in them. You know, some of these barriers include, but are not limited to, lack of forgiveness, judgment, thinking you can do better. Pride, being quick to listen and slow to speak, etc. And so we got to make sure that we do whatever we can to humbly lift them up. And as a leader, we've got to do whatever we can to humbly serve them. Finally, we're called to obey, and that's in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that the work may be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. You know, when my wife hears that word submit, it's like her eye twitches. It's like, ugh, submit. But here it calls us to submit and have confidence in our leaders, right? And I want us to go to page 114 in the book. Page 114. It says, uh, Scripture clearly says, Obey your leaders. It has been pointed out that the Greek text here carries the idea of being willing to be persuaded. In either case, we are talking about approaching a leader with a spirit of humility with an eagerness to be an asset to his plans and with a desire to bring joy to him and his leadership. To relate to leaders with humility is showing respect, imitating the good and doing what the leaders are asking you to do, as long, of course, as it is not in conflict with the will of God as you understand it. You know, our culture is so against obeying, right? It's so against it. If somebody tells you to do something, we immediately want to do the opposite or go the opposite direction. You know, let me ask you, are you willing to be persuaded? When you have a decision that is made up in your mind, are you willing to be persuaded by your leaders? Or are you set in your ways? Are you open to reason, Chukubuku DK? Or only when it benefits you? 
Are you moldable or have you already come to your own conclusion about life? You know, have you made your leader's job a joy? And I believe that in order to change our hearts about being, being a humble leader and a follower, we must come to the conviction that the way we conduct ourselves in either role matters to God, and we will be held accountable. So let us grow in our reverence for God, our respect for our leaders, our service to those we lead, and our humility as disciples. And let's serve as if we're serving the Lord. Amen? So I've got three discussion questions for you. So if you can grab one or two people, uh, maybe three people, and sit down and uh, discuss these, that'll be all. Thank you. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.